Welcome to the uh, first ever Sports Booth podcast. Um, I am Luke Bowden. I am the host and the main man of the show. Um, and I've got my co-host who is the NFL mathematician um, extraordinaire Husey. Um, so thank you for, for listening to start off with. Um, it's been a while in the making. Um, I started this in lockdown when I got a bit crazy and only had the missus to talk to. Uh, especially about sports, so yeah. decided I'd start talking to the whole world, and then Husey jumped on board. Yeah, it was more her pushing you to just talk to literally anyone else. Anyone else? Anyone, anyone else? else. <laughs> anyone else? Someone else? Just listen, please. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's how it started, uh, and now we're here. Um, first podcast. Bloody excited to bring this to everyone, um, and just absolutely talk shit for an hour. Um, so we'll kind of cover about all sports, but we're we're New Zealand, Australia, pretty strong, and then we have a. Uh, an American touch to us, um, and yep. Husey will definitely be the expert on that on that side. So a bit about who we are um, and and who we support. Obviously, you can see Husey's got the the Steelers jumpers on. Yep. Um, so he's a Steelers supporter, which is unfortunate for everybody. Um, I have the first ever sports booth T-shirt. Uh, Husey will get one when he earns it, um, and ranks the Falcons <laughs> a little bit higher. So yeah, so I um, support New Zealander, so I support all the New Zealand teams, obviously Hurricanes and the Super Rugby because I'm from Wellington, um, and then in American sports, we go into NFL where uh, Atlanta Falcons are my team, you can ask me why, Unfortunately. why they are my team, mad in 2004, Michael Vick on the cover, cannot forget that, that was uh, yep. my man um, until he, yeah, yeah. so uh, um, from now I'm a, a Falcon supporter, I also Jumped on the bandwagon for the New York Knicks when Amari Stoudemire first went there and Carmelo. And then in baseball, I am a Chicago Cubs supporter. So pretty dreadful lot of teams to support, yeah. including in the NRL, the Gold Coast Titans, which is which is tough as well. Um, so I'm used to heartbreak, um, but I have my All Blacks, and that, that's about it. So, Husey, how about you run us through uh, who, who you support? Yeah, well, as you can see, Pittsburgh Steelers jersey, wearing Ben Roethlisberger's number seven because he... They got leaked to the media today that he's going to retire at the end of the season. Pretty expected, but still, uh, you know, pretty pretty sad after such a long and successful tenure there. So, Steelers fan in the NFL, in the NRL, um, just as tragically as Luke, I support the St. George Illawarra Dragons. So, uh, yeah, used to heartbreak and misfortune and off the field incidents, um, <laughs> and then it do- doesn't get much better from there because I'm Australian, so I support the Wallabies, and I'm from New South Wales, so I support the Waratahs. So, rugby really. Hasn't been good to me for a little while. Not since we won uh, the, the competition, but since it's just been all downhill since then in terms of rugby. Um, and then, yeah, that's about it. Like in terms of NBA, I don't follow it too closely, but basically whatever team LeBron's on, um, I follow uh, a little bit. I'm a bit of a LeBron fanboy, but uh, I, I do follow a little bit as well uh, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks because um, my brother's a big. And so I get a lot of secondhand um, info about the Bucks from him. So I see, I see. Yeah. Yes, no, good Husey. I guess yeah, well known that Husey and the Dragons love a Barbie. Um, yep. Yep. So that, that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you had some good times. With, we, with, did. With, we did. We did. Beno at the at the helm, and you you won. Yeah. Was that was that twenty ten? Twenty ten. Yeah. Ten. Yeah. And look, you know, that's actually a little bit later on. We're going to talk a little bit more about the about the Dragons in this upcoming year, um, <laughs> and why there are some. High hopes, but uh, some high hopes on those hopes. youngsters. Yeah. I, I watched youngsters the, watched the yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll get we'll get into that stuff later. But that that's a bit of who we are. So you'll you'll see that flows throughout uh, 
the way we speak, um, yep. you'll definitely see some favouritism towards our sides. Absolutely. Um, and, and we're not going to hide it either um, because that's who we are. So that's, that, that's, that's a little quick rundown on that, um, but we'll get into some rugby next. So yes, the uh, the rugby autumn series just finished up with the internationals, and prior to that, <laughs> the uh, rugby championship. Uh, so a lot of international rugby lately, and we'll head into Super Rugby at the start of next year. Uh, but for now, we'll touch touch base kind of on on the international footy. Um, Husey will probably keep quiet for most of this, but I don't have much else to say either. We're really, as an All Blacks fan, it was a, yeah. a tough going towards the end there, um, and. I think there's a there's a lot of room for improvement, and and, and New Zealand rugby's at a at an interesting point at the moment. Um, I'm one of those kind of supporters who who I don't mind a loss for the All Blacks um, as long as it's it's kind of guiding us in the right direction. And I definitely think uh, when I watched the Irish loss, I wasn't I wasn't too disappointed with the Irish loss because of how under pressure we were for the whole game, the amount of tackles we made, everything like that. Um, and then the French loss, um, yeah, not happy. Uh, that uh, you never yeah. want to lose to a French side. No, never. <laughs> and so, um, yes, I was a uh, early morning seven a.m. kickoff over here in Australia, and uh, turned uh, the TV on, and there was a lot of swear words, uh, a lot of anger, and then an angry missus of mine to, <laughs> to follow suit with that. So yeah, that that kind of disappointed me a bit. Uh, I'm of the idea that I don't mind going into this World Cup, um, keeping. Uh, our, our current coach and not taking on Razor. I, I would have, have, have all, uh, New Zealand Rugby had decided to do go with Razor, um, and the, he's the Crusaders coach for those that don't know, who's very successful. If they had decided at the time to go with him, I think that would have been all right. Um, but now, now where we are, um, I think we steady ship until the World Cup. I think our best opportunity uh, to win the World Cup will be um, behind uh, Foz. So I think a lot, a lot of building points from. The, the autumn series, and I think there was some good, definitely some good displays um, from my All Blacks, but I think we, we learnt a lot from our losses, which uh, uh, our media doesn't quite understand yeah. in New Zealand. I don't know if you've ever seen the New Zealand media, but they're pretty pretty beauti- brutal on a uh, on a New Zealand loss, and especially an All Blacks loss like that. Um, and then to have two back-to-back, they got, they got torn to shreds. But the way I kind of see it, we won the rugby championship, we of course won the bleeder slow. When don't we win the bleeder slow? Um, and so there's a lot of a lot of goods came from it, and some introduction of players. Um, and and I guess that's that's my take on it um, as an All Black fan. Alrighty, so yes, a uh, couple of technical difficulties, but uh, we'll pass it over to the Wallaby supporter um, who kind of re- they rebounded towards the end of the the rugby championship. Yeah, well, just sort of sticking with New Zealand here for a second. So I think I, I agree with you. It's beneficial to to lose a couple, and I think. One of the biggest things is with COVID and stuff, you know, we've kind of been uh, very, uh, so what's the term for it, very contained here in the Southern Hemisphere, particularly Australia, New Zealand, and very insular because we, instead of the full Super Rugby competition, we had the, you know, country competition and then we did the Trans-Tasman games and things like that. So you get used to playing that certain style against the same opponent. So I think for both the All Blacks and the Wallabies, getting some of those northern hemisphere games in is really beneficial being exposed to that different style again and it kind i think it caught a few people definitely on the wallabies you know a, a bit off guard uh, then you know we're used to playing against our uh, against new zealand and trying to beat new zealand and you know for the world cup it's not just going to be new zealand you know so we i think 
I, I'm not too upset with going uh, winless in the autumn series, except for the Welsh game. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a, a, a few calls here and there. But, you know, it's all a, a learning experience at the end of the day. And it's, you know, a few players got pushed into spots because of injuries and things like that. We're without some of our um, best players. You know, Corabetti didn't play and things like that. So it's just getting that experience, blooding a new generation. Because I think the Wallabies for a long time have been very sort of stagnant in the the key players in the key positions. So getting some of that new blood in, getting them exposed to different styles of footy, I think is really important. And getting them used to Dave Rennie's style of coaching. And Dave Rennie himself is probably still, you know, figuring out his players, figuring out his squad and how he can, you know, kind of ad- ad- meld the two together. And yeah, I, I agree. I think towards the end of the uh, rugby championship, they really came on strong. You know, beating South Africa twice was, I think, an incredible feat. Um, even before that, when the French came over, that uh, third game against France, where we were down a player the entire game, was just an incredible effort. So, you blokes, I, you blokes do like playing with fourteen men, yeah, don't you? We do. You, we you, do. you? You're keen was, on it, on getting cards and, and making it, it hard. It was on sta- it was standard practice for us by then. So when we lost them in the early minutes with the red card, it was you know, it's whatever you knew, it's business, business yeah. as usual, basically. <laughs> you actually uh, play better with man down. Yeah, sometimes. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It sounds like not all boys. Yeah, so I think. It's, I think that kind of changing with the guard, and it's very similar, actually, it's very analogous to what the Waratahs are doing as well, where the Waratahs whole thing, all of their social media branding has been, you know, a kind of refresh in 22, like rebuilding, you know, getting new plays and making different signings. I think it's that's similar to what the Wallabies are doing and building up for the World Cup, which I think is going to be um, super important and to, to, to do is to get as many players exposed to the system as possible and not... I guess I, I feel like with some of the old Wallabies selections under Checker, it was almost like we were sort of forced to pick this player because they've played in the side before, so they know what we what we do, uh, and not taking too many chances. And of course, you know all those off-field controversies about how he was hamstrung in selection and things like that. So I think it's I, it's beneficial. I you know when you when you win all the time, you're not necessarily learning, and that. I mean, we saw it in the, the last World Cup. You know, New Zealand was so successful for the World Cup and they got knocked out in the in the semifinals and it ended up being an England-South Africa final, which no one wins there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no one wins. Whoever wins that game, no one wins. So, yeah, I think it's all about uh, learning from the losses and I think that'll be really, really telling is how the Wallabies come out uh, after this um, tour and what they start putting together. Yeah, and I and I love talking about the Wallabies purely because normally it's talking about another loss, especially against the All Blacks. But I think Dave Rennie's probably the best hire they've had, and as, as well as Chicka did as well as he could with what he had. I think uh, again, I'm I was never against Chicka. I liked him as a coach. I think he brought a bit of passion back to at least some of the the Bledisloe Cup games. But I think for their rugby. Um, I think Rennie has been doing a fantastic job, and I think that'll continue. I mean, just the stuff he's doing as well, we're getting Quaid back in and, and everything like that. I think it was interesting, and I'd love to hear your opinion on the um, Noah getting left behind and your thought, because I would have thought he would have still gone away. Like, I understand they left yeah. him at home to, to kind of work on his ability, but I would have thought it would have been a good experience for him to go away. And then when all the first five started dropping off, like Flies and O'Connor was your only one. Um, yeah. I think it's good experience for the kid, you know? I think so, but at the same time, you've got to, because he is so young, you've got to think about his confidence as well. And I think maybe it's a little bit of a concession by 
Rennie that by leaving him behind that he didn't think he was going to be terribly successful over there. And he figured it was going to be very kind of brutal rugby and you don't want to see a kid hammered like that because the, the first, his debut for the Wallabies was the second Bledisloe game last year and we got destroyed. We got hammered in that <laughs> I game. I was like 50 odd points. Yeah, it, yeah. it was really bad <laughs> and, and he did not play well. And that's, you know, any game against the All Blacks is a tough game. But, and yeah, I, I don't know if I would yeah want to have someone make their debut in that game, particularly at such a key playmaking position. So I think Noah can play really well, but he's very, like a lot of young players, a very confidence-based in how they perform. And I think Dave Rennie was worried about his confidence taking a hit if he was just losing game after game after game and getting hammered all the time. So I don't necessarily mind it that much. I think it would have been good for him to go and watch and be exposed to that firsthand and be that part of the game plan. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I can understand it, I guess. Um, yeah, it, I mean, he, he's he's young. He's got a long future ahead of him. So he's going to have plenty of other opportunities. And I think it's, it is that balance against sort of throwing someone into the fire too early and... Uh, tempering their uh, their youth with um, with confidence and things like yeah, that. So. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think the the great thing that come out has come out of this autumn series is that England, France, and Ireland have all peaked two years too early. So yep. we're, you know, this is this is this is it's not World Cup yet. Like you don't win a trophy for the autumn series. So I think that is um, is, is big. I think, like you said in the World Cup, where England and South Africa. Uh, ended up making the final. They play a very similar style. Yeah. And I think it was good. Like, that game, the second game against South Africa, the Wallabies played when they beat them, it was like 30, 17, something in, in that yeah. range. And they were just all over them. The Aussies looked fantastic. Um, so I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of learnings, like you've said, that have come from that Aussies. Um, but we will get onto the topic of the Welsh game because we can't leave that out. Um, so the red card to start off with, your thoughts on that? Look, if that's a red card, You've just took, it's just about consistency. I have no issue with people being carded for things. Like they exist in the game for a reason, but you've got to apply it evenly. And even then, even if the the handling by the Welsh player wasn't card worthy, I feel like you've got to blow play dead at that point because you've carded someone else earlier for it. Oh, the knockdown. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I just feel like it's. It was a couple of, of, of questionable. I, yeah, it's just I, the consistency. That's the thing. It's like it's the same with uh, shoulder uh, head highs and shoulders and things like that. There's a few, in some earlier games. Um, Lockie Swinton, um, who, famous for a yellow card, yes, loves the yellow card. So my brother Connor actually used to play at school with him, so we know him quite well. <laughs> and so, not really that surprising that he's been pulled up on some cards. But the thing is, is that he would get called for cards, and now he's got a bit of a reputation for it. So he gets. Called oh yeah, sold a reputation exactly. down the drain. And yep, just—that's what gets me. Is it just if you're going to card one player, you've got to card another one. And I don't make up calls to me are just absolute shit unless it's the same thing. Like oh, you know, okay, well we carded your player earlier. Maybe we shouldn't have carded him, so we'll let you get away with this knock on. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as a, a yellow card or a red card. So yeah, so so I guess yeah, the knockdown obviously in my mind is just. Un- like even if it's not back, it was it was never a 
deliberate attempt yeah, to catch the ball. So it was a deliberate. I understand it's the rules deliberate knockdown, mm. but it was deliberate. Like I, it blows my mind that that was able to stand as a try. Um, I think I, I, I read a good article on it. Um, again, don't know who read it, so uh, I would shout out if I knew. But it was a great article, and it's like league. I think does it well. You shouldn't yeah. get penalised for knocking it down. Um, and I guess it would be it would be how you you'd state the laws again, but. Your job as the attacker is to get the ball to your player. Your job as a defender is to stop that either by a tackle, um, by an intercept, anything like that. I'm, I'm a massive fan. You'll watch me in the games when I play footy of an arm out and a tackle yep. trying to make it look like I'm making the tackle. Um, it just and, and that one to me, the fact that everyone stopped, uh, you know, they're professional rugby players who don't stop, righty, righty, right. It stopped because that should have been stopped. Like, uh, yeah, mind-boggling. I was, I was more talking about the red card to, I think it was, wasn't Rob Valentini, was it? The, the number eight of yours, the head-to-head collision at the start. Oh. Yeah, so obviously you discussed on it as well, shoulder-to-head contact. Yeah. It was a head-on-head collision, and and I understand we're, we're protecting our players now. There's lawsuits, concussions, all these issues. But I do think that that point there, other than him going in and slightly lower, which he could have done, yeah. that's head-to-head collision. Now, he... Red card and I believe banned three games has come out that he's been banned for three games, and I'm just like, in my mind that's yellow like head to head. No one's yeah. the, the the famous word I've had when I, I went in to make a tackle um, back when I was playing in Dunedin, um, and I went in to make a tackle and head and head collision, and the ref goes because they were calling blowing up because my shoulder yeah. was quite high, and the ref goes no idiot is dumb enough to tackle with the head, and I go yeah. that is it like no no one is going to go in with the head and try and tackle with the head so. That, that was the first call, and then obviously Kirtley Bell got yellow carded for his, yep. and then the follow-up. Um, but I think it shows Wales is way out, of, way out, way, and, and, and probably the biggest problem even with that win, their autumn series was terrible, mm. like miserable. Like, like you look at the games they played, and even the games they won, not impressive at all, um, outplayed in a lot of the games. So I don't know. I, I, it, there's, there was a lot of good questions from that, um, but I think Wales are looking miserable. I think Australia, like you kind of said, it's not. It's not a terrible thing to lose all those games. Yeah. You would have loved. I think the Scotland one kind of was a little bit. Oh, you should have probably yep. taken that one out. Um, Wales, we can definitely give you. And even against Aussie, uh, sorry Aussie, against England, <laughs> as as bad as you guys were, couldn't catch a fucking thing. Right. That wasn't. It wasn't a. They didn't run rings around you type thing. So I think that's a again a Dave Rennie taking a step in the right direction with the uh, the Wallaby squad. I feel like a lot of Australia's losses, and I notice this particularly a lot when we play against you guys, against the Kiwis, a lot of our, a lot of the damage that's done to us is self-inflicted. It's dropped passes, it's inaccurate passes, it's dropped... It's, Intercepts. Yeah, yeah, it just... Uh, I don't know what it is, but it, I've noticed it for a few years now, it's just the a very lack of care around the ball. And you're never going to win... Like, you know, it's it, rugby's a very simple formula. You know, to score points, you have to have the ball in hand. So losing the ball, it, it's, the same with, it's the same with all ball sports. You score when you have possession. So possession is one of the most important stats in, in any game. And often that will tell the tale is who's had the, more, the weight of possession. And the fact that we keep giving it away so much. And it's been a trend for, you know, before Rennie in the checker era as well. I don't know what it is, where it's come from, or, you know, if it's just, you know, when we go play in New Zealand, it's more moisture in the air, it's slippy or something. <laughs> Who knows? But I've just noticed that, that, and New Zealand does such a good job of taking advantage of when other people make mistakes, and particularly loose ball play. Um, 
just taking advantage of that. And everyone's always there uh, in support for each other as well. And I think that is something that's missing from the Wallabies. The games that we've played really well has been those games where we've had that really good chemistry flowing. Like, the, you know, the, the best example is the Canula Tupo no-look oh. inside flick pass. Like, freak, freak. That's just, that is... That is not only confidence in your own ability, it's confidence that your teammate's going to be there. And New Zealand seem to have that innately. They always know where everyone on their own team is at all times. They can take advantage of that fast play. And when you drop the football as much as Australia do, or when you pass it too long and it skips along the ground and so you lose the momentum in running forward, it's it's just sloppy and it, it really costs us... We're uh, very lucky that we've got such talented players that against a lot of other teams, we can make up for it. Like in the, the French series, which uh, I watched quite closely, we we were definitely the, the better team there. And France didn't, France didn't take over their, uh, their, top, be, team, their yeah. top team. And we were able to overcome our mistakes because we had the, the more talented team. This autumn series and in, in games against New Zealand, we were on par with the talent level. We can't, it's, it's a bit, yeah, we can't ride our talent to victory anymore. Then it becomes about effort and precision. And that's missing a lot from Australian rugby, at least recently. And I think that's something that needs to be uh, looked at as well is, is clean play. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I've always kind of said there's, there's three-ish, four styles of rugby. There's the Northern Hemisphere and South Africa style, kick that ball away, chase it. Then there's, you know, the Pacific style, flair, all yep. that stuff, a bit of Argentina flair and stuff like that. Then there's the All Blacks, and then there's the Wallabies who try and play the All Blacks yeah. style. And, and when they do it well, they're very successful. Beat South Africa, can beat teams. Yeah. You can't beat the All Blacks with the All Black style. So I'll, I'll, that's yeah. what I've, 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 I've noted as well in the uh, 2023 World Cup, that if Australia go through their pool, they won't actually finish on the same side as the All Blacks. Yeah. So they can basically do what South Africa did is get through, take their pull out. If they're playing good enough rugby to be just a level below the All Blacks but can beat those other teams, they can make it through to the World Cup and just yep. hope that the All Blacks get there. Someone, get, someone knocks, them, someone out, knocks yeah. them out. And they can they can definitely put themselves in a position to win a World Cup, which you, I, I, a year ago, maybe even two years ago, you probably wouldn't be saying at all, but no. I think that, that South African games and even what we've seen so far – has him in a position to be yeah, to be at least as, at least a talking point. Absolutely. Well, that'll wrap up rugby chats. Um, but yeah, that was that. A lot of good talking points come from this autumn series, and um, I'm sure we'll talk more on a couple other points as we move forward um, with the other podcasts. But for now, we'll jump onto some American football chat. Alrighty, so some American football. We yep. have our NFL power ranking mathematician great. Um, if you. Dislike his power rank- <laughs> power rankings. You can direct message him because it's yep. not my fault. I yeah, support me. the Atlanta Falcons, and for some reason, even with the record that they've got, they always seem to be in the bottom five teams. So hey, I haven't made my my opinion heard yet, but I was waiting for this moment so I could get yep. Husey face to face and say I dislike you. Yeah, that's um, fine. <laughs> but I know there's other strong feelings out there. Some Philadelphia Eagles fans have been quite <laughs> loud in comments. When are they not loud? Pretty sure a requirement to be an Eagles fan is to be chirpy. Yeah, but you're not wrong. So I'll drop it over to, to Husey to kind of give you a rundown of what he's seen at the moment. I know Tampa Bay, I think, are the, the number one team in his power rankings. Yep. And, 
Fair enough. Um, with Brady playing the way he is, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll let you kind of go on. Yeah. Well, the thing with Tampa Bay starting at the top is it's not just Brady playing well. Now I got Brady in my fantasy team, and <laughs> early season. Oh, he so was, we know we now know why there's yeah, number one. Yeah. yeah look, right. <laughs> well, actually, I wish Brady was playing better because early season he was fantastic. Last couple of weeks, when they lost a couple of games, they come back from the bye. He's been a bit more careless with the football, thrown a few interceptions here and there. Been sort of. Pretty average, to be honest. But the rest of the pieces around him, particularly their running game, Leonard Fournette recapturing a lot of his oh. old form, has been really uh, good for the Buccaneers. And their defense, that is, defense is nasty mm. still. Uh, but they're, they're not immortal. And I think that's one of the really cool things about this season that feels different to a lot of other seasons is that it feels so open this season. Like, it doesn't feel like... Last couple of seasons, everyone You've knew... Known. The Chiefs... They're going to be there. Like, they're, they're a good team. When Brady was on the Patriots, you know, wherever Brady's playing, it's like he's, he could be there at the end. Uh, there's, like, you could definitely sort of see it. This season, though, has been so equivalent across the board, other than really the the Cardinals. But even then, the Cardinals have shown some flaws here and there. Uh, I mean, they've, they've lost two games, one of which they should have won against Green Bay if AJ Green had turned <laughs> around the right way. And the other game they lost with Kyle Murray out, with DeAndre Hopkins out, with so many people out, and with Colt McCoy playing quarterback. I read a crazy set the other day, and I don't know if it's true. I you do your own research, but um, that every team still has a mathematical chance of making it. Everyone except for the Lions. They, are they for sure? I think I. I think I thought I read. I think they, they, might, the they might still thing. be in. They still have a chance because yeah. of how shit, how crazy. Like you've just yeah. said, the NFC is. Yeah, no, they, no. I think they might still have a chance. I think if they Again. lose this week, then they're out. I mean, it, it, chances are, yeah, yeah. chances are. So the Lions, small. as, so as much as if you're a Lions supporter, I already say I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. But, yeah. but you're not making it. But it's, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Like the fact that it, a team zero ten and one still has a chance to make the playoffs. Well, again, that's the effect of having an extra game this year. But also, as you said, the middle of the pack of. Both conferences is so even. Um, the, it's kind of like we've got kind of three tiers of teams at the moment. We've got the top couple of like your Tampa Bay, your Arizona. Uh, I would put Green Bay up there when Aaron Rodgers is playing and not pretending he's immunized. Um, <laughs> and uh, and more recently, the the Chiefs having recaptured some form. Those four teams I'd sort of put up there on their own tier. Then there's the next tier of team. Oh, and actually, I would put the Patriots up there too now. Now I uh, will put them up that there. Game, that game this weekend against the Bills. It's going to be huge. I'm wow. so excited to see that game. Wow, that's going to be interesting. Um, and so I, and I have the Patriots ranked above the Bills in my rankings, and they're also above them in the standings. Um, I think the Patriots' defense is playing out of their skins right freaks. now. Freaks. Absolute freaks. Well. So I think those five teams kind of sit apart. Then you've kind of got this huge middle of the pack of like 15, 16 teams that any one of them could make the playoffs or they could be a top 10 draft pick kind of thing. And then you've got your really bottom kind of teams like your Jaguars, Jets, Texans, Lions, uh, Falcons. Wow, um, wow. Yeah. Look, the, wow. Fa- the Falcons, you've, you've lost Calvin Ridley uh, for personal reasons and you lost Julio Jones in the offseason to the Titans. Those are two huge offensive weapons that you've lost. You don't really have a running game. Can we just and say Matt Ryan is Matt, I, I love Matt Ryan and I've been to Atlanta before. I've got a lot of friends who are Falcons fans, Atlanta fans, and I like the Falcons, but I just feel like Matt Ryan doesn't have enough around him. No, I, to start off with, Matt Ryan has enough around him. 
what he doesn't have is an offensive line. Yeah. And I watched that against New England, and I was scared for his life. Yep. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my Matt Ryan. It's all right. I understand. I am so surprised about actually how well we're doing this season. And that's, yeah. That's, that, to be 28 for whatever you are on your, your rankings, but to be, I think we're 5 and 7. 5 uh, and 7, maybe? You, 5 and 7 or 5 and 8. You've won 5 games. Uh, oh, five and six because you had five, five and six. Five, five and, six. and six to be just about five hundred yeah. with the squad we have, with all those issues. Cordell Patterson is the greatest person in, in the world at the uh, moment I for love me. Cordell Patterson, yes. Um, and so I, I'm happy where we are because yeah. I think we've still got a chance to, to actually make the playoffs. Yeah. Especially, you, I were, we you were seventh seed a few weeks ago. You yeah. were in that picture. In that picture, picture. we're still there. I, we have no right to be there. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's because you play in the NFC South, and the NFC South this year is pretty poor. Because Which is a surprise. <laughs> was, the, was the Bucks, the Saints were doing well with Jameis. Then he lost a season to an ACL. Trevor Simeon came in and played absolutely terrible, so they benched him. Taysom Hill, we just they just played yesterday. Played the Cowboys through four interceptions and broke his finger, so they're not playing. What about well. Diggs from the Cowboys though? Was, oh, that, was that ninth interception? Yeah, uh, he, yeah, he's ninth, and if he gets one more, he'll be double digit interceptions for the. First time in like thirteen years. Or yeah, he like could that. actually break the record, which is yeah. insane. Which is fourteen. And you, you in the in this modern era, like you look, I was I played a lot of Madden. You always yeah. go look at the NFL records <laughs> like in Madden. 1960. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The stuff, single yeah. season interceptions, the single game interceptions, were always like uh, like old era plays because you know there wasn't really much spreading the ball around the field. You would just target the one receiver, so the one cornerback would be on them. You'd take the ball there. So the fact that a player in the modern era is doing that is pretty incredible. But he is also, he is a massive gambler. And if he misses on a pick, it'll go for a long touchdown. But you can live with that because he'll make that pick or make a pick six. Um, and so it's worth it. It's yeah. like a, I mean, Steelers fan, Troy Polamalu. Like, that's oh, how he played. Yeah. He would just, yeah, he'd roll the dice. And sometimes he'd give it big plays, but other times he'd make crazy fingertip interceptions and you'd just be like, this guy's a Hall of Famer. Um, and then, yeah, the Panthers are, Bad. They started with Sam Darnold, and somehow they won a, a couple of games, and then he fell oh, off. They the didn't Sam play Darnold anyone cliff. very good, did yeah, they? I exactly. think that was the... Then they fell off the Sam Darnold cliff. They brought back Cam Newton, and they won a game, and that was quite inspiring. And then this last week, he completed less than twenty five percent of his passes, and well, Christian well, McCaffrey's out for the season. And it's like, well, they're not really going to do that much. The defense is pretty good on the Panthers, but it also crumbles when their offense doesn't do terribly well. So. It's kind of yeah. It's and and I, I it's yeah rough. yeah it is that, that that's a rough division. I think it's just probably above the old Cowboys uh, Eagles division. What's that NFC East, East, which is is probably even worse than ours. Um, but See, I disagree. I disagree actually because you've got actually three competitive teams in that division. You've got the Cowboys, you've got the Eagles, and you've got Washington Football Team. They actually can win take yeah, games. I, I get that, but I, I'm going to rebuttal with my division saying that we have the Buccaneers and. Yeah. They're far, far better than the Cowboys. Well, not that far better. They played a game, the first game of the season was only three-point differential. Yes, but they also didn't lose, what was it, like 40 to 20, which shouldn't have, it should yeah, have been like 40 to 3 to the Broncos, which yeah. is probably the worst loss, I think, all season. Like, yeah. For, for a team as good as they are. I, I have good, another good question. Um, the AFC, with your, with your Pittsburgh Steelers, their division, but that's probably... The, the, the toughest division in football at the moment, other than in, in the AFC, that's the toughest division. AFC North and AFC West. Because you look at the AFC West, every team, I believe, is 500 or above at this point. And all of them still have a yes. legitimate shot at the division title. The Broncos are su- 
surprising me this year. Like, they're not a fantastic football team, but they're good. They're yeah. good enough to get wins. I mean, we beat them, but again, that was they were still a, a bit undecided. When they trade, actually, since they traded Von Miller, they've been better. The, the two and one, <laughs> they have been better. Von Miller's zero and three in that time. Um, so they've been better. I feel like they've kind of found their identity a bit more. Javante uh, Williams, their rookie running back, is really good. He's going to get his first start this week with Melvin Gordon out injured. So I feel like they've discovered their identity. The Raiders are a bit like, sort of, which Raiders are we going to get this Head week? Like they, they beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving in a wild game. A lot of thanks they need to give to the referees that game. But still, <laughs> they, they still played competitively. They've played competitively in the start of the season when they lost John Gruden and Henry Ruggs and all the off-field incidents. You know, they dipped a bit. And they're sort of finding their footing again. Uh, so they can be competitive. The Chargers are... Uh, I've talked a bit about gamblers. Like the Chargers are the biggest gambling team. They go for it on fourth down more than anybody, and that can bite them in the ass, or it can help them. I feel like they um, they rely too much on their offense to get stuff done because they nearly let us, the Steelers, come back in that game where they were absolutely running all over us, and we still somehow nearly won that game, which is a really massive indictment on the Chargers. And in the Chiefs, they started out the season very rough. Started very rough. But their defense has slowly been improving. And that's really scary for the rest of the AFC because Patrick Mahomes has started to play a bit better as well. I feel like he had a bit of a shaky start to the season. And his confidence took a bit of a hit. Um, and But now he's playing better, playing cleaner. And that is always worrying for the rest of the AFC. Is when the Chiefs start to kind of get on it, they're very, very hard to beat. Um, so the AFC West, all of those teams have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs. You look at the AFC North, you've got the Ravens at the top there, but they've got... Yeah, I feel question, like, question. Who, who in their AFC North, obviously? John Harbaugh must be just about coach of the year potential. Him and Bill Belichick, what he's done yeah, to be eight. Injuries. And even you have a quarterback who throws four interceptions yeah. and you win a game. Like, yeah, well, yeah, see... Lamar Jackson throws four picks, win the games. Taysom Hill f- throws four picks, loses the game. Uh, coach of the year, that's a very good question. I just, I, th- I think maybe, it's Bill, maybe, Bill maybe because I've got a few dollars, and when I say a few dollars, <laughs> I mean a lot of dollars now on John to win to win coach of the year. Yeah, I, I understand Bill Belichick, but I don't think the Eagles were as bad as they. Oh, sorry, Eagles. The Patriots were as bad as they were as they actually were last year. Like, yeah, they lost, but they they had players sit out. They were trying Cam Newton. It was there was a lot going well, on there, he, so he, I don't think he's changed that much. Like, I, well, I, he he made a lot of off season acquisitions. He spent a good amount of money in free agency because he was saving money on his quarterback. Exactly, and so because he's the general manager and the coach. So, so we're so, so we're saying if we're saying he's coach of the year when he's brought in all those players, and John Harbour has lost a whole lot of players. That's just there's where my yeah. argument for I want to make about a grand. Yeah, <laughs> if John can win, Look, it, so. I think, think Harbour should be in contention for it for sure because. The, play, the Ravens have got either the most or second most players on injured reserve in yep. the entire league. And they're going to have a few out this week when they play the Steelers. It'll be a really big game. PJ Watt back in cleared from the COVID list. So <laughs> we're very happy about that. Uh, look, I, I, I think he should be up there um, in contention for that. But also Cliff Kingsbury should be up there as well for the, just legitimately how good the Cardinals mm. are. Yeah. Um, I think those are probably the three I would put up there. At the moment, everyone else, I don't think anyone else has done anything that would warrant that. Like, I don't think any, no one's really taken a, like, really terrible team and made them competitive. Um, I think, I agree with you that what John Harbaugh has done with all those key pieces missing, particularly his running backs, 
the Ravens are a running football team, have so many injuries there and still be as successful as they are. The number one seed in the AFC as we sit here is pretty good. Um, maybe Zach Taylor for the Bengals for having taken it. But you have to look, if you think about Zach Taylor, you've got to think, and it depends on how you look at coach of the year. If you have to look at previous years where they were in previous years and where they are now, then I think he's got a shot. Because when he, his first year with the Bengals, they went 2-14, and 14, worst record in the NFL. That's why they drafted Joe Burrow. Next year, they improved. This year, they're improving again. Beat the Ravens, swept the Steelers this year in a very painful loss last <laughs> week. Uh, and a legitimately scary team this year. Yeah. So I think if you take a longer-term view of it, Zach Taylor should be there for his whole efforts in transforming the Bengals franchise for one that was the Diabolical. just yeah the worst in the NFL to something actually competitive. Um, and I, I don't know how much you, you know about sort of the Bengals, but they're a very uh, money-tight franchise. They don't even have an indoor practice facility. That's one of the biggest bugbears that players have about playing for the Bengals is that they don't have somewhere to practice when it rains. And, um, I watch a bit of the Pat Pick McAfee show. And he, yeah, well, they, yeah, they, 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 all our teams have got indoor practice facility, but the Bengals don't, and they have to like pay for their own lunches and stuff. So they're very like, it's a very you have to be not used to your creature comforts to go play play for the Bengals. So I think in previous years that sort of hamstrung them because the players felt like they weren't prioritized. But I think Zach Taylor's kind of transformed the culture there into being more tough and using that to toughen up the players. Um, but yeah, Bill Belichick, I think you know he's got that reputation. He's got. The Patriots with a rookie quarterback, so it's a rookie quarterback is what you got to remember. But the probably the best rookie quarterback. I would, like, I, I would. Okay, we haven't say, we haven't seen much of Trey Lance. Like, yeah, I understand that. But Zach Wilson, Trevor, yeah, Zach Wilson is stuck in the Jets. Awful. Whoever stuck, but you, but you're stuck in the Jets. As yeah, well. he gets drafted to the Patriots. Maybe he's a little bit better as well. well you know, yeah, I, it's then, hard to say. It's yeah. really hard to say with Zach Wilson because he makes some head scratching plays. Trevor Lawrence has been thrown into Jacksonville. Just he'll just get like, there. They'll like, get there. Yeah. Like he'll take that franchise somewhere. I think. Like, yeah, he, he's they, got he just, the potential. It's, it's similar to the Falcons situation, where the offensive line isn't that great, and there's not really that enough weapons around. Weapons around him, like he, like uh, James Robinson, the running back's pretty good, but they were also counting on having Travis Etienne there, who was his college running back. Exactly. So some familiarity there. Uh, his favorite tight end, Dan Arnold's now lost for the year on injury. Uh, his receivers are sort of a collection of like. Second string, like second string receivers, or like uh, number two receivers, no real number one shining through there to give him a reliable target to catch. With Matt Ryan, you know, lost Calvin Ridley. He's got Kyle Pitts, yeah, but Kyle Pitts is a rookie as well and a, a rookie tight end. And famously, tight ends one of the most difficult positions to transition from college to the NFL in. So I feel like he's struggling with there. He said, "Haven't seen much of Trey Lance." Uh, Justin Fields is doing a decent job in Chicago, but can't beat out Andy Dalton. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, he he did, but then he got injured, and now, and now I, they've got Andy Dalton again. I think I and I think you just need to stick with that. Like, oh, yeah, I don't. You don't play him. I, I I love that they've given him a little taste, and yeah. it's like, okay, this is what we're going to work towards, and now you go away from that. Absolutely, I I really am a fan, and it's a pretty old school attitude, but it's like the Aaron Rodgers method of you sit behind oh, a quarterback, let them learn, and that's what I I, I hope the Steelers are doing with. Dwayne Haskins, even though he's not a rookie, but he's a young quarterback sitting behind Ben Roethlisberger. Taking his phone can... out to do the well, text. Like, does, well, he wa- does he want to be there? Uh, that's I hate that report. So I was actually talking about that with my brother just yesterday about that report where it was just it's something that all NFL players do because you're there you're, because he's he was the backup that day, so there's a legitimate chance he could see the field. So he's getting text messages all from his family saying you know good luck, hope you kill it today. Listening to his music on Spotify, all the stuff that. Players do. It's just an normal problem. But because he's Dwayne Haskins, because he's had that pass, he's under that extra bit of scrutiny, 
and I think it's an absolutely uh, terrible report because, <laughs> my, like, it's just, I don't I don't agree with it at all. Like, of course he wants to be there. Like, he's had you've heard literally nothing from him, literally nothing. When before when he was in Washington, he was going to strip clubs. He was not doing not well as many good strip stuff. clubs in Pittsburgh, maybe. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm sure the players can find them. I'm sure if anyone can find them. But even when he's not been in Pittsburgh, he could have gone to a strip club out there. Like, uh, you know, there's... I, I feel like you've heard nothing from him. You've heard no inside reports of him, like, not showing up to practice and not doing... I don't think Mike Tomlin would let him not exactly. do that stuff so as well. So. I, I feel like it's a bit of a iffy report. I wasn't a, I'm not 100% sold on him from what we saw in the preseason. Again, he didn't work with the full weapons that he could have available if he was a starting quarterback. But, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be... I, I've always had Ben Roethlisberger as my quarterback. I've never had that uncertainty of not knowing who the quarterback's going to be. So this offseason coming up is yeah, going to be scary. one of the weird, yes, yeah. weird and scariest ones for me, not knowing who's going to play quarterback for my team. I'm not who's going to start at quarterback for my team next year. If we're going to draft someone, if we're going to get free agent, Aaron Rodgers has been linked to us. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, they put up on NFL.com as a potential trade partner to the Steelers in the offseason so they could start Trey Lance next year and things like that. Like, there's so many possibilities, and the Steelers are a very unique franchise in the way that they do their offseason stuff. They never uh, make big, splashy moves. You know, when we traded for Minka Fitzpatrick in season, that's one of the biggest moves we've ever done. When we traded up a couple spots to get Devin Bush, we hadn't traded up in the first round since, like, 1968. <laughs> like, that was... It did just It's just not something we do. So when, we have, when we're in the mix for a quarterback in the first round, potentially... That is, or even picking someone up in free agency, it's like, how are the Steelers going to handle this? They've never really had to, like Kevin Colbert, the uh, GM, has never really been in this position because he's always had Ben. You know, Mike Tomlin's always had Ben. The owner as well, Art Rooney, his dad was in charge before we had Ben, Dan Rooney. So it's like no one in the Steelers organization has the experience of what do we do when we need to find a quarterback. So that for me as a Steelers fan is exciting but also worrying about... I mean, and it's a good thing to be worried about because it just shows the stability and success of the franchise that we never had to worry about that for however many years Ben's been playing. What is it, 17, 18, 18 years, years now? Yeah, something so like that. So I think that's going to be... And I think that will be one of the... Or should be one of the biggest storylines of the offseason is this storied franchise without their future Hall of Fame quarterback looking for a new quarterback... Who's it going to be? I can tell you one thing though: it's not going to be Mason Rudolph. Like it's, it's not going to be. <laughs> the boy can't play. He, he's already he's won his he's won his opportunities to start, and he hasn't done enough with them. He's played okay. He is a backup. He can play as a backup. He's yep. not a starter. All right, enough about your sealers. Finish yep. it off. Uh, two questions. Yep. Okay, so first question is: who's going to get the buy? And going into the, the playoffs, yep. and then who's going to actually win each division, uh, each championship? So the Cardinals will get the buy in the NFC. Mm-hmm. The AFC is a harder one. It's definitely very hard. So what? Um, I, it's between for me, the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the Titans. If they get Derrick Henry back, which he could come back in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but they also need to get a couple of their wide receivers back. The AFC is going to be a lot harder to predict. Uh, NFC, I think it's the Cardinals. Uh, uh, so, maybe on. the Packers. Give us an AFC. Give us, a, give us AFC. one. Who's At this stage, if you had to I, choose right now, gun to your head. Uh, I'd say the Chiefs. Chiefs. I think they've right. got Fair an enough, easier yeah. run home. Who's actually going to be there at the end? Titans of the have the easiest run home I've, I've, I've read. 
Yeah, they do, but they've got a lot right, of injuries. The injuries, and, and you never know what type what they lost to the Jets and the Texans. So yeah. playing easy teams isn't isn't necessarily good for the Titans. But yeah. okay, and so then who's going to win? Who's going to meet in the Super Bowl? Right now, you've got a decision to make. You've got those teams, you've got the buys, but do they make it all the way through? I think from the AFC side, I think the Chiefs will go. I think the play- that must play- hurt with your brother. Playoff Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. Playoff Mahomes is is just different. different. Well, the buy they Andy the Reid even, even with yeah even without the buy, it's pretty hard to they they can they can do it. Like he like I remember the the run where they went to and won the Super Bowl, where they played three games and came from behind in all three games. You know, they game against the Texans. Um, or maybe it was only two games. But it was the game against the Texans and the game against the Titans. They were behind in both those games and came back and won it. And then in the Super Bowl itself, they, they were behind, came back and won it. And I, they've got that ability to do that. Now that the defense is stepping up a bit as well, their biggest bug band, it's similar to my Steelers, is stopping the run. Yep. Very difficult to do. And you look at the other AFC playoff teams, uh, particularly the ones that I think are real, which I think are the Patriots, the Titans, and the Ravens, um, the Bengals as well, potentially. Bills, maybe? I think the Bills are a bit of pretenders. Uh, I oh. said this in my column a few times. Everything relies on Josh Allen and Josh Allen alone. They've got no running backs. Yep. He's the team's leading rusher. Uh, and so if you recognize that the entire game plan runs through Josh Allen and just ignore their running backs, I mean, that's how the Steelers beat him in week one. We just literally looked at Josh Allen the whole game. Their running back could do whatever we want. they wanted. We knew they couldn't do anything, and we won that game. And they've been beaten. Uh, when they've lost this year, it's been because of that. So I think they're a little bit of pretenders. I think they need to find a running game or they're going to struggle. But you look at the real AFC playoff teams other than the Chiefs. You've got, as I said, the Ravens, the Bengals, uh, the Titans, and the Patriots. What have they all got in common? Good defense, good running game. That's what yep. wins you football games. And the Chiefs struggled to stop the run game early on. And even some of the passing game with their horrendous safety, Daniel Sorensen, who I constantly hear about legitimately the worst player in the NFL right now, ranked <laughs> ranking-wise, and the amount of plays he gives up. The less he's on the field and the better they can stop the run, the better chance the Chiefs have got. And I trust in Andy Reid um, to, to to come up with game plans to minimise that. The NFC side... So you got the Chiefs, the but Chiefs, there's potential, obviously. Yeah, for, gun to his head, decision now, he's yeah, made the Chiefs. Chiefs. So gun, Chiefs and Chiefs. Uh, yeah. gun, gun, gun to my head for NFC, I can't say no to the Buccaneers. Yeah, Agreed. I, I think I think the NFC Championship game is going to be Cardinals and Buccaneers, but I think the Buccaneers are going to win it because of the experience of Tom Brady and the amount of pieces that the Cardinals have lost. Although I think JJ Watt could come back. Hey, there, there has been some some rumors, yeah. some rumors like flying around. Which would be back. which would be massive for them because he's just such an experienced player. Even though he's not the same right. JJ Watt, he's just he's now got that knowledge of the game yeah. that it's just different. And even though he's not had successful playoff runs. He just had. He just. He knows what it takes. He know what, from being on the Texas. He knows what it doesn't take. So he knows what can go wrong. Yeah. I just feel like he's just such an extraordinary player and such a leader that you just can't help play but better when he's on the field. So if they get him back, I think they'll be very competitive. But I just can't. I can't see the Buccaneers. Like, I. I just can't. Yeah, it's just Tom Brady, the Tom, Tom Brady, Brady effect. He's yeah, he's can't he's, see them losing. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. All right, so there we are. So it's going to be a replay of last year. Yep. Um, of Husey gets his way slash 
predicts it well. Yeah. If Hughesy gets his way, the Pittsburgh Steelers will somehow still make it and yeah. get the first round draft pick, uh, first overall draft pick somehow, yeah. some way in an alternative universe. So that is the NFL for us. Um, listen out for Hughesy's annual or weekly column on the uh, power rankings, uh, who he thinks top dogs, who he thinks is shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, we'll move on to cricket next. Alrighty, cricket season is yep. upon us and we are excited. The Black Caps just started this, or just started and finishing their two match series against India. Uh, first one was a draw, and then we had Mr. Patel pick up yep. 10 wickets in one innings, which is a fantastic achievement. Only third cricketer to do so. Um, but then, as New Zealand cricket decides to do, they bottle it and score 62 runs in the second <laughs> innings. So, yeah, uh, all his hard work's probably undone. Um, I believe they're back on it again today. Um, so he'll probably pick up a few more wickets because no one else looks likely. Um, and they'll roll us. So all my excitement from having this opportunity to have our first Test Series win in India um, has, has gone. Um, because our batters, Kane Williamson, as soon as he was ruled out, it's always a bit of a like, oh, what's happening now? Um, but, hey, it is what it is. Test cricket around the corner for Australia. Biggest series in a while with the Ashes here yep. in Australia. Um, Western Australia is going to lose this test match. How good is that? Because they don't like COVID. Um, yep. So, yeah, uh, exciting. There's been a lot of a lot of pre-match, I guess, controversy before, stuff for before the even game, even before the, the, the series even kicks off. Yeah, um, a lot of off-field stuff for Australia. You know, Tim Kane, that's a... That's you know, I don't, I don't follow cricket too closely, but obviously, uh, I mean, you look back a few years to the stuff that happened with Steve Smith and Dave uh, Warner and the ball camera stuff. And the, the thing that got, uh, yeah, the thing that got said around there was that the most trusted man in Australia used to be the Australian cricket captain. Now we've had two in a row that have been pulled for off-field stuff. I feel the the culture is a, a little bit in question for Australia, but we'll see how that translates to on the field stuff. I mean, you want my honest belief though. I always think that you Aussies talk a lot of shit, which you do. Yeah, fair enough. But the, the, don't act like you know the Aussie cricket captain is a guardian angel. Like the Aussie cricket yeah. captain Be also. Serious. Oh, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> the Aussie cr- cricket captain is would still get on the bears and they oh, love it. Absolutely. You know, and I I understand what what you're saying here. I think. Tim Payne's been left hanging out to dry as yeah. well. Like, and then he was wrong. Yes, he yeah. was wrong. But he never actually did anything. Like, it wasn't. He got yeah. cleared of everything. I think there's a little bit there where there wasn't much support because. But I think what you're saying is is the reason there wasn't much support. Yeah, they're very nervous. I think right now, like you said, to lose trust with the public, and exactly. in doing so, have probably lost more trust in the public. Yeah, I think they've done the perfect resolution getting Paddy Cummins as mm. as your test captain because. That is the poster boy. He yeah. is first bowler to do it in a while. There's, there's all these storylines come in. I love the I love the vice captaincy of Steve Smith. Not a lot of people did, but I think you need someone else there. And, yeah. and I think it was the right time to go, okay, he's never going to be captain again, I don't think, Steve Smith. But yeah. I think now you've got Pat coming to focus on your bowling. You can do a bit of captaincy work. Just just go and talk to Steve Smith every so yeah. often. And then let Steve kind of take, take take control. And I think it's it's going to work really well for, for Australia. Um, because I think that's what they needed. And I think Steve Smith is one of those guys that doesn't have too big of an ego to be like, uh, that he'd be able to actually sit in that vice-captain role and not try and push it into his own captain, not be that I'm the vice-captain, but I'm really the captain kind of thing. Like I feel like he's that kind of guy that can just, that will, genuinely wants the 
the best for the team. So. And I think definitely in the past two years, that's he like exactly. he's had to, he's had to take a role of I'm not even in the leadership group yeah. now. So I think it probably opened his eyes. Are they still cheats? Yes, they cheated. However, yeah. I mean, you borderline cheat every time. That was taking it over the line. There's a line they crossed it. Yeah. Um. They they serve their punishment uh, again. Us New Zealand cricket fans, we live in glory. We shower ourselves in glory because we're the nicest guys in the world. Um. But did it make me slightly happy to see Steve Smith crying over that? Yes, a little bit did because it was arrogant. What they tried to do was arrogant. Yeah. It borderlined is that level of confidence and arrogance, and it's a it's a thin line to cross, and it went over that line. However, saying all of that, that's not the only controversy pre match. England have their own. Um, with the racial slurs they've been having over and 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 the, the, the I guess the issues and the culture over there, so the, the cricketing culture is getting chucked up a lot at the moment, and, and a lot of questions about it. And it'll be interesting how both teams kind of come back from what they've just been dealt. Yeah, I think Australia are a lot better positioned because they've got the better cricketers. The only thing for me in this series will be really interesting is Ben Stokes. He's had some time away. I think he's going to be in some surreal form. Born in New Zealand as well. Don't just want to claim that. <laughs> so when he who would? Tanya Lazuki, Yes. So so I think he he's definitely going to be one that will shine. Um, and if England are to win the Ashes, I think it'll be big on him. But I think I just see too much class in that top order for for, for Australian cricket. And I think as well, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this with. The, a lot of the travel bans and COVID still being around and a lot of England supporters not actually able to come over here. Um, you know, that is usually one of the biggest things about the Ashes, no matter which side of the pond it's on, is that it's two sides of the crowd battling each other, whereas I think Australia will actually have much more of a sizable crowd this time with less uh, English fans there. So do you think that'll play a big role? Uh, interesting, because so I went to the uh, MCG, the Boxing Day Test when New Zealand played, and there was a far lot more loud and rowdy New Zealanders at this game than Australian fans. So yep. we were screaming, we were shouting, we got rolled in four days. <laughs> so does it, does it make that much of a difference? You I, I, you wouldn't have heard a bigger sound than when Trent Bowl picked up, a, I think it was the first over, first over, fourth ball or something like that, maybe yep. second over, and he picked up a wicket, I think it was David Warner as well. Probably. Um, and, and the crowd erupted. Or same when uh, Blundell got his, his, his mate in his first hundred and crowd erupted and that was all we had to celebrate like we <laughs> we were absolutely embarrassed everywhere else and it would just be you'd have a couple of sips of your drink and then all of a sudden another New Zealand wicket was gone so yep. I don't know crowd will be interesting I don't think it'll play that much on it um I think I thought the Australian crowd would have gone a lot more at the New Zealand cricketers where it was the other way around when we were there however this is an English Australian yeah. this is the biggest rivalry in cricket pretty much um other than maybe Pakistan India yeah um but yeah, so I think it will be interesting to see. I think you'll still have those stray English that, that'll make oh, it, yeah. and they'll be loud enough Can't get to, rid of them. to yeah, yeah. They, to, to make a nuisance of themselves. Um, but I think I, I I honestly see it being like a four one series unless Ben Stokes even like this is say Joe Root, Joe Root has a decent series. I think unless Ben Stokes picks up a few wickets and and bats really well, I see it being a four one even just about a whitewash four um, 0 like maybe with one. One draw in there or something like that. I, I don't see England performing well enough to, to push the Aussies, and I think the Aussies are, are getting back to some of their best form. Um, so it'll be an interesting interesting series. I think we'll, we'll keep you all up to date. First test starts on Wednesday. Um, excitement will buzz, and we'll do a podcast next week. Yep. We will be covering it. We'll be probably 
filming and watching it at the same time <laughs> because, um, you yeah, so there's it will be very exciting to see. Um, other than that, not much on the cricket front. I know there's been some movements in the South African Indian series just due to the new variant of uh, COVID. Yep. But, uh, yeah, we'll keep you up to date with that. Um, and then we'll touch, touch quickly on EPL now. All righty, the EPL or the English Premier League. Um, some cracking games over the weekend. We actually just saw the lead leaders change as Chelsea just lost to West Ham 3-2. Cusey um, didn't know that because he doesn't follow it as much as I do. But uh, I do love talking about it. I think it's probably the biggest league in the world. I don't think yeah. there's a league bigger than it. Um, and so Chelsea were top, lost to West Ham, Man City, and Liverpool both won, so Man City are now top. Uh, we have a free horse race, and even even with that free horse race, how fantastic that is, I think there's so much talking points with the United talking point this whole series uh, season. We've got Arsenal, who's had a lot of talking points as well, and now Tottenham as well. All like new managers or managers trying to Newcastle. make their mark. Newcastle, new ownership group. New oh. ownership group, big one there. And they just picked up their first one of the season. So Newcastle's an interesting topic as well, so we can kick into that because yeah. they just had their, obviously, new ownership group yep. brought out by Saudis who are like something ridiculous, time 100 times more rich than the Manchester City yeah. ownership group. Crazy. Um and they, they had their first win. So the big thing for Newcastle is going to be staying up this year. Yeah, so we'll see a, a lot of movement in January, I'd imagine. They'll start early and try and push uh, some decent players into that lineup, stay up, and then we'll see them rise next two, three years. Uh, I don't think a title's coming until 2025, and if that, it'll depend. I, I It's going to be fascinating. I yeah. as, a, as a spectator, I've got zero problem with it because I want to see as many teams competing. Um, and I guess with financial fair play, there's a little bit of a a hold of what they can and can't yeah. do. But who gets those rules? It's not like it's like doesn't get policed as much as the NRL salary cap. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of talking points with the EPL. I think we'll see it and we'll probably cover it more as we get closer to the end of the season and with the Champions League and everything like that. But just a quick touch on there. Um, who do you support? Anyone you support, QZ? Uh A lot of my friends support Liverpool, so I'm like a kind of second-hand Liverpool supporter. Mm. Uh, Mo Salah is on some outstanding yeah, form. I, I watched his game the other day, and his two goals were fantastic. Him and uh, Virgil van Dijk. I, I, I think they're both really good players. My grandfather is a massive Manchester United fan, so I get some Manchester United knowledge from him. So, of course, they're you know, massive rivals yeah, so as well. That's a, that's a weird combo you've yeah, got big, there. Yeah, big, big dichotomy there. Um and, yeah, I, I guess I actually lived for a year in England. I didn't get to go to an EPL match because I was a poor gap year student. But <laughs> the, th- the thing yeah. is over there, I, just going to sort of your opening statement about it being the biggest league in the world, it's 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 not even a league there, it's a religion. Yeah. But the whole, for all of football is, like, football from Premier League down to, like, Division 2. Yeah. Like, there was some a teacher that I worked with there, and he was just a massive Rochester fan. Uh, and they would, they're like, bottom of Division 2, like, there's nothing to him. But he's there always with a jersey on. The kid's always out there in the jersey with their favourite player on. It's just this next level of passion that I, it, I don't think... I, I feel like other sports really struggle to capture that level of fanaticism. I've, yeah, I've got a story about this. This is a good little little story of mine. I worked security when I was living in Dunedin yep. as a poor uni student. <laughs> um, and so I, I worked security. And I could, I've done many rugby games for security, and you get the old dickens who run the field, but the fans are normally very quiet, very patient, you know, not a lot of shouting. Like, they're mm. shouting, they're normally shouting. There's not. We had the under 23 or under 21 uh, Football World Cup, and the 
Uruguayans, I think it was, made it quite far into the tournament. And so we had, I was security in this little little bay, and there would have been about 20. And they were the craziest supporters over here, jumping up and down on seats, breaking seats, like banging things, trying to just trying to jump onto the field, but not really wanting to get on the field, just trying to make as much noise as possible. And I was like, this lot are crazy. And that's all football yep. everywhere. Like, like I remember as a kid, we, we did some traveling and we ended up at a Bayern Munich versus Ajax game in the Champions mm. League. And when we were in Munich and they had to let, we had to stay in the stadium for an extra hour after the game finished because we were with Munich supporters yeah. to let the Ajax fans go first because yeah. the Ajax fans will wait the crazy Munich fans, and then they'll actually scrap. And I was yeah. just like, that insane, just absolutely yep. insane. I've, I've never seen anything like it. I lived in the Netherlands for a year. Again, a very football-heavy sport. Yep. Crazy. They're all crazy. The, the, any, if you're a football supporter, you're crazy. I, I, yep. uh, maybe not the A-League, because the A-League's... Well, Western Sydney Wanderers fans are. Very crazy, I've been to Wanderers yes. games. Yeah. And I also, when, when the Phoenix are doing well, Wellington Phoenix and Wellington, there are some out-there supporters yep. who decide to take off their shirts and swing it around them in like two degrees weather so you're a little bit nutty like yeah. I know we go out on rugby fields and get tackled and everyone says you're crazy for trying to do that you fans who sit there and watch that and, and scream and, and shout and, and do everything you're nutty so yeah. that's that's all I will say for football as rugby players we, we don't have much to say about football but you're all crazy yes okay so a uh, little little I guess part of the show part of the podcast that we're going to we're going to do. It's called the court session. Um, Hughes is going to bring me a topic, um, and I am judge, jury, and executioner. And so I'll decide, and I'll kind of give my feedback and thoughts on what he says, um, and we'll go from there. I haven't heard the topic. Yep. He comes in. He brings it in. He's going to try and sell his case to me as a as a lawyer. He should be pretty good at that. Um, and, and we'll see. We'll see what I decide. Okay, take the floor. Alrighty. So, the topic we're starting close to home. A uh, bit of a personal topic to me. Uh, the topic this week is that the St. George Illawarra Dragons will make the top eight in 2022. Yeah, I can see your reaction already, but, <laughs> but hear me out. All right. So, facts of the case, right? In 2021, the Dragons finished 11th on the ladder, three places outside the top eight. When everyone thought they were going to finish dead last year. Exactly. Right? Pretty good considering Barbecue Gate. Uh, pretty good considering we'd lost Zach Lomax, our best player for most of the year, to a thumb injury. First year for Anthony Griffin as head coach. Cameron McInnes, our captain and hooker, was lost to an ACL in the pre uh, preseason, and we had Corey Norman playing six. Like that's the biggest you know weight on a team that you could ever possibly imagine. So, and yet we still won a few good games against quality opponents that finished in the top eight, like the Parramatta Eels. Looking now to twenty twenty two, I love the off season acquisitions that the Dragons have done. Um, in a front office move, they've confirmed the former CEO, Ryan Webb, as chairman now, something along those lines, but they've basically got front office stability. Anthony Griffin's got this full year on his contract. Then you look at the players they brought in, Jaden Sewer from the Rabbitohs, top eight team, grand finalist, and origin player. Uh, Francis Molo from the Cowboys, origin player. Uh, George Burgess, representative player. Uh the pieces that we've retained, we've got Tarek Sims, origin player. We've got Andrew McCulloch, former origin player, uh, on the origin bench for, for Queensland. Uh, you've got Jack DeBellin, a quality player. We've got so much more depth in the forward pack that we didn't have last year. Last year when we lost some pieces in the forward pack, we were just bringing players 
out of left, right, and center. Like we, Billy Burns was a starting player for us last year. Nothing against Billy Burns, but he's just not a starting forward pack player. He's a good interchange. He's he's good at a couple different things, but not spectacular at them. Um, Tyrell Fui Mayono was our thirteen, and he got carded so many times last year. He played better at center than he did at thirteen, so I feel like he should be uh, on the bench. I mean, he probably will be given all the pieces that we required, and we didn't have like like the forward pack wasn't that big. It wasn't that intimidating. Like we had Blake Laurie, our prop. He was a good hard ball runner, and Tarek Sims. Uh, we had Jack DeBellin once he was able to come back from suspension, but we didn't have a huge number of fast-running, hard-hitting forwards. But with Sua and Molo and Burgess coming in, I think those pieces are so huge for us to bolster that forward pack to actually, when we won our games, it was off the back of tough defense and running it solid through the middle. And that's how, that's how you win NRL games. Uh, you look at the backs, we've gotten rid of Corey Norman Thank God. The amount of games we lost from him dropping balls or just not being in the right place or he'd make a break and then he would just pass the ball to no one. So frustrating. So, so frustrating. Especially after the first couple of games he had for the Dragons when he first joined us. He was winning us games on field goals or late game antics. It's like, wow, we're actually really onto something here. And then he fell off the deepest cliff I've ever seen. Uh, And we've we've secured Jaden Sullivan, a junior half to a long-term contract. We've got Junior Amone, Another half who's committed to the Dragons. He, the, the Dolphins were interested in him, but he said he wants to stay with the Dragons. Uh, ben Hunt he was playing some of his best footy last year. Uh, he won an Origin game with Queensland. He'd broken his leg earlier in the year and came back and still played fantastically. So if we can get a full year out of him, that's great. But we have that depth behind him now. Of We've had a few of these young halves that have played in a couple of NRL games. They've got the experience behind them that if we do lose Hunt, we've got one of them to step in his place. Zach Lomax... Is, uh, is back from his injury. Uh, Michaeli Ravalawa is one of the best wingers in the game. What, probably, when he doesn't get carded. When he doesn't get carded. <laughs> probably the hardest tackler in the NRL at the moment. But it, it's a bit of a roll of the dice where it's going to be a legal tackle or a head high. Uh, we've got Cody Ramsey on another wing, but we've also got the Fagai twins uh, who can play on that wing as well. We've got Jack Bird in the centres who played fantastically last year. Was our most consistent player last year and... If, if the NRL had the equivalent of comeback player of the year, I think he would have won it given the amount of injuries and how uh, just he didn't really play well for the Broncos. And then at fullback, we've lost Dufty to the Bulldogs, but we got in some games with Tyrell Sloan last year, and he's now going to be the full-time starting fullback. So it's got this really great blend of uh, sort of what I call free agency acquisitions in the forward pack and bringing up juniors in the backs. But none of these are juniors that haven't played before. I think that's what they did really well last year is managing between the injuries is getting these junior players for the NRL and experience. Suspensions. <laughs> yeah. And suspensions from barbecue gate. Uh, uh, yeah. So I think that um, having, and Tyrell Sloan, Jaden Sullivan and junior Ramona, those three players are named. They've all been named to the sort of, uh, I believe they call it the future blue squad or yep. all under Emerging 25 blues. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Something like that. So they've been recognized by uh, blues by the, you know, as one of those players that can be future superstars. So I think that's that's looking at the drags now, but it's not always just about the drags, right? You've got to look at the rest of the competition as well. You look at the back end of the top eight from last year. Because that would year. be my first question. So now you've, you're obviously pleading your case. And my first question would be, okay, understand that. Understand everything you're saying. 
But who's 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 in the top eight that's not making the top eight this year? I think the the Titans, uh, they they've lost both their halves. Jamal Fogarty's gone to the Raiders, and Ash Taylor's gone to the Warriors. They both. Let's let's be honest. Toby Sexton is better than Ash Taylor. Yeah, but then who's going to be the other half player next to him? And then it's also AJ Brimson now. Yeah, okay, but I'm making the argument purely because I'm a Titans fan. Uh, okay. So yeah, this okay. is a, this here is we a, go. Here we go. This, this is Judge Jury Executioner. Yeah. All right. So AJ Brimson and then uh, Jaden Campbell at the back. Yeah, I mean, but that's great to have those new halves, but then you've got to build that. The thing is, is that half is not just a slot and pay play position. That's one of the reasons why they gradually introduced Jaden Sullivan and Junior Amone into those positions to give them start building chemistry with the people outside of them. Sexton hasn't had that many games. Sexton's had more games than Sullivan. Sullivan played a few games before last year as well. Okay, but last year, I reckon Sexton would have had as many games as Sullivan. Yeah, Brimson hasn't played in the halves, though. Brimson Brimson is a state of origin player. But but it's the state of origin fullback, the state of origin half. But, continue, continue, continue. So I feel like like they They're one team. Is there anyone else you see from that top eight that would... Because that's my question. If it's just the Titans, okay, but... It's the Titans as well. So what's your, what's your top eight? Just quickly, like if you're like, okay, Storm. Okay, so Storm, Panthers. Uh, I I think the Rabbits will be in the top eight. I actually think they'll be outside the top four, though. I don't think they'll be top four either this yeah. year. But it'll, it'll be a growing year. So yeah, them. so Panthers, Storm. Uh, the Eels. Eels I see as vulnerable, but they they should make it if they shut out the outside noise. Yeah. That's the thing. They But I think they're vulnerable. I actually think the Roosters are surprisingly vulnerable because they still aren't, they, they haven't, they haven't got Brandon Smith this year for him. When, you know, <laughs> who, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen there? So I feel like they, they, and they've lost so many pieces in that Ford pack with Boyd Cordner retiring, Jake Friend retiring, Sione Takeyaka, mangled that last name, but he's going over to Super League and things like that. Uh, Jared Weir Hargraves is getting old. Like, I feel like they're actually losing out on a few more pieces. And Tedesco, love Tedesco, but he's another year older. Some more technical difficulties, but this is our first time, obviously, yep. doing this, so these will happen. Um, so you were just talking about the Roosters. They're a bit vulnerable. They're okay, vulnerable. so... And yeah, I, did, I, was, I didn't even get to mention the Morris Twins, both gone as both well. Gone as like, well. there's so much turnover there in the Roosters. I think Shred Robertson's a quality coach, so he'll make it work. But I think they're vulnerable. The Knights, I think, are very precarious. Uh, Kalen Pong is still umming and ahhing about his future. They've lost Mitchell Pierce, which I think will be a bigger loss than people realise, especially since they're replacing him with Corey Norman. So hopefully he will curse them as he cursed us. Connor Watson, they've lost him as well to the Roosters. So I think they've lost a, a few pieces, and I think they they didn't, you know, they got into the finals and they didn't really do much. Like I don't see them as that great of a team. And they had a couple of games during the year. Like there's one game during the year where they got absolutely spanked by the Titans. I remember listen to that on the radio and yeah I feel like they're very inconsistent um, I think my there's only three teams I'm certain of being in the top four top eight next year and that's the Sea Eagles the Panthers and the Storm I think those, as long as Tom Travoy as long as Tom Travoy which doesn't pull his hammy racing down Manly Boulevard yeah. I think those three are pretty pretty set and I think the Eels are vulnerable I think the Knights are vulnerable I think the Titans are vulnerable uh, the Rabbitohs, I think they'll be in the top eight, but I think they'll probably be down the lower end of it. Then it's going to depend on their new half because they've had Adam Reynolds for so long. Uh, I think Cody Walker is playing some of his best footy, and I think he'll continue to do that. Latrell's getting better and better. Um, Alex Johnson as well. Um, 
So I think the the Dragons, I don't think they'll be the top four by any means. I think they'll be seven or eight next yeah. year. And then you look at the other teams that are vying for that position as well. I think if you compare the pieces next to the, next to each other, I think the Dragons match up and exceed almost any of those teams. Alrighty, so there's the case <laughs> laid in front of me like that. Uh, Alright, so I, I like a lot of your argument. Yeah. I... Obviously, there's a couple of pieces there. The McInnes issue there is not even worth the team that, so it doesn't really even matter. Yeah. I also think, like you said, a lot of your good stuff happened pre-barbecue gate. Yeah. And that is when you had a Paul Vaughan making meters for you, stuff like that. So I think you're correct. I think George Burgess, depending what state he's in yeah. when he gets there. Molo, I don't rate that highly, but I think, again, it brings experience and a good go for it. Even off yeah. the bench, I think he'll be a bench player for you. I think a massive one is DeBellin. Full time there, yeah. a whole preseason, knowing he's going to play footy with all that past stuff out of his way, uh, is going to be fantastic for him. Um, so he's he's a re- weapon. I'm not sold on your halves or your your hooker, not because Ben Hunt is probably one of the better hookers in the game, but you have to play him at half. But he was playing really well at half last year. Uh, he was he for you guys, well. but but I think like he's shown in State of Origin, he's probably one of the best hookers in the game, and I think. McCulloch is just not one of the best hookers in the game. He's he's consistent and solid, yep. and he's like that mid level where you'll go, yep. okay, yeah, he'll do. He will definitely. He's a Wayne Egan, like the yep. Warriors. Yep. Wayne Egan and him. Wayne Egan's got more, a bit more attacking, but McCulloch's probably one of the best defensive Ta- hookers. Yeah, great tackler in the game. Don't get me wrong. I I think McCulloch isn't. Uh, if you've got McCulloch at hook, hooker, you don't have many, and you've got you can sort out other problems. Yeah. The youth will be interesting. I I I saw a couple of games with Sloan and. He's got ability. I don't know how quickly he'll seal into being full-time fullback. Yep. Um, I don't count, consider an upgrade yet of Dufty, but I think it was the right move. I was very against letting Dufty go, but I think it was the right move in the end. Yeah. Um, even if it doesn't go well, those three, like you said, are your future. Yeah. Amon, Amon, is that? Yeah. Was incredible the game I watched. Yeah. He he reminded me a lot of Benji Marshall with his step, yep. his ball playing ability. So I think he'll be fantastic. Um, so you've kind of got a good free punch there, and that's what I think. Towards the end of the next season, at the moment in my head, I'm still trying to do the mess, but I don't think it's a full top eight. I, it depends. Depends how well McCulloch and Hunt play. Yeah, it will depend how far you go. And I even think if it's not going that well, Ben Hunt moves into the nine. Those two at the half, Sullivan yeah. and Amone, sign out the back. You've got a lot of good building pieces there. I honestly, I, the depth of your as soon as you start to lose some forwards, it, it worries me a little bit because you are so built on that go forward. Like, yeah. You don't have, like, Lomax is, is, is your best player. Oh, yeah. I think DeBellin will be your best player this year. I think Lomax is, was your best player last year before pre-injury and yeah. with all the injuries. I don't think he's a strike centre. He's up there with the best centre. Yeah. He's not a strike centre. Again, same with Jack Bird. Like, there's, there's positives and negatives to them. Um, I don't think they break games open. And that's what I, I'll be interested. Ben yeah. Hunt, Ben Hunt, Break games open for you. Yeah. So if Hunt goes down with an injury, it'll be interesting to see who does that for you. Like yeah. that's what if Ben Hunt can break games open for you, those other two will start to break games open. Yeah, it's it, I mean like like most NRL teams, everything's pivoting on your half. On your half, and, on and it is on Ben Hunt. Saying that, I don't think the Titans go anywhere near close to missing out on the eight this year. I may be talking a lot of shit because yeah. I support the Titans, but I think Fafita improves, Tino improves. I think we always take a step. I hate the Fogarty move, yeah. but there was obviously, they decided they wanted to go with their youth as well. I trust 
coach, Jason Hall, I don't want to mispronounce his name, Holbrook. Um, Justin Holbrook. Justin Holbrook, there he is. I trust him. May not know his name, yep. but I trust him. And I think they're right. Two teams you did mention that I'm a little bit iffy in. The Newcastle Knights are one. Yeah. I think massive loss with Mitchell Pearce. Um, even, I think, I don't, Corey Norman, you've obviously got your own feelings for him. I don't mind the Corey Norman if you get yeah. him on the right money. If you yeah. get him on the right money, you guys were paying him so much you had to yeah. expect him to do a lot more here. If he's earning 100, 200K yeah. and you're there to mentor a bit, Jake Clifford and everything, mm. all right. Kalen Pong is their match winner. He's like their Trevojevic. If Kalen Pong yeah. goes down, counting them out. The two Safiti boys are obviously great. Yeah. Again, they'll yeah. lose a couple of them for, well, at least one of them for um, Origin. Origin. And then what Connor Watson's their biggest loss. He was one of their yeah. best players. And again, I, I don't trust their coach. I can't even forget his name. But um, he... The amount of times he didn't start yeah. Connor Watson um, just blows my mind. The thing as well with Connor Watson, I didn't mention this, but I mentioned it now, is that he is super, super close to Caleb Pong, and I think they live together as well. Oh, yeah. they So that chemistry is well. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, chemistry. Yeah. Losing that on the team. Is, so yeah. that'll be interesting. Uh, they were not like, you know, they had negative points to print. They were, yeah. did not deserve to be seventh for whatever they finished. They, they weren't close. Eels, I think, again, have their moments, will be a top eight team. I think Roosters... Probably again be a top eight team, but again they were Justin Herbert, Justin <laughs> Patrick Herbert, pass yeah. away from losing to us yeah. in, the, in that semi yeah, and those finals yeah, game. Yeah, nah, I watched we that. Don't, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about anywhere around me. I'm a, yeah, we we because I like Herbert. I really do. I think he plays yeah. very well. Um, so that was just an unfortunate situation. So Luke Thompson's face was all of our faces at that moment. Just like oh, the pain of what could be. Yes, yes. So I think. There's a lot like that where you're like, ah. But I think Titans make it. I think Knights are your big ones. I think Rabbits as well, yeah. depending on how they shift, especially losing Sewer. Yeah. Um, I know they have... And ben, I mean, we didn't even talk about that they've got a new coach. I mean, they've new been coach, planning this transition under, for a while, so but it's, it's going to be different. But it's Yeah, it's not... Yeah, it's going to be um, different. So there are a couple of teams there. I look at the outsiders. Bulldogs are going to improve. They're still not, I don't think, yeah. top eight. They'll take not them another year. year. Um... Who else have we got? The West Tigers, I don't think make it. Not with no. any harsh part. But I think the year after, with Coruscant coming in, is a big pickup. Yep. Um, who else is in that? They've got the Warriors. Warriors, I think, yeah. potential. Yeah. It all kind of depends on how they make it all work as well. I think they are better than they will be last year. Um, but with COVID and stuff, it's yep. hard living over there. Um the Raiders, there. I think the Raiders. Raiders, oh, actually, that's yeah. that's no, you're done. I'm sorry, because I think if anyone jumps into the top eight out of that group, it's the Raiders. Yeah. Their pickup of Fogarty, it worked last time when they took Caesar from us. Yeah, and I think it works really well for them again. I think they. But 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 what you what you're not considering with the Raiders is that Josh Papalii can't get vaccinated for medical reasons. So if there's any kind of COVID, any kind of outbreak, they can lose him for periods of time. I'm not even that's that bothered. Huge. I. I, I I think they're still even without him. I think they've got they've got enough pieces. I think they should have made the top eight this year. They were one of the better teams on paper, um, and I think they they do it. So, as judge, as jury, as executioner, it's a no. You're not going to make the top eight. I think. I think you'll be twelve. So you think we'll do worse than what we did this year? You we'll do worse than what we did this year. It's twelve for me. Wow. So there you have it. Wow. The St. George of the Lord Dragons will be finishing 12th this year. 
the Titans will be finishing first. But no. what happens when I'm proven right? When you're proven right, we'll have to do something. Yeah, yeah. we'll come up. We'll come up with some sort of punishment. Um, if I get twelve, if they finish twelve now, we'll come up with some sort of punishment. Yeah. If if he's proven right in these court cases, we'll we'll do a tally. I'll do a tally or something like that yeah. about how these court cases are going. Um, and we'll see who who ends up right. Um, yeah. But as judge, jury, and executioner, you can put your house on it. Dragons are not making the top eight. Ooh. I have to appeal this to a higher jury. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so that's it for the uh, podcast for the first ever sports booth podcast. Very successful. Mm. Uh, we will ideally be doing these weekly, depending on how we can fit into our schedule. If in doubt, we'll be fortnightly, and I may just do some videos where I chat shit about some random topics. Um, and we hopefully will get some guests on in the future. Um, from me, Batman, uh, it is goodbye from Robin. From Ro- I, I don't know where these fathers <laughs> come from. I don't know where. Yeah. Robin tends to die a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Well, but, don't, don't foresee anything yeah. here, but. Yeah. Uh, as head honcho, as the Kiwi side of the dynamic duo. There we go. Does yeah. that feel better? So, yeah, yeah you're, there you go. You're the Aussie side of the dynamic yeah, I'm li- duo. I feel less threatened. I feel less likely to fall victim to the joke or something. Oh, like joke. You're right. Well, yeah. less replaceable. Well, well, <laughs> I could have someone else sitting in the seat next week. Yeah. Not, not someone as good. Uh, well, not someone as good. Not good from Husey. Yes. Yeah. All right. Bye from me. See you later from Husey. See you, everyone. And we'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Excellent. Yeah.